0: Everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution with another edition of the Southern Pride Soccer Podcast. It is July 27th, and last night Atlanta United was ripped apart, is the best way to describe it, by Lionel Messi and Inter Miami 4 0 in the Atlanta based team's opening game of the League's Cup tournament. It must now win Saturday against Cruz Azul at Mercedes Benz Stadium if it wants to advance. If it does not advance, it will not play again until MLS season resumes August 20th at Seattle. That is a long three weeks for a team that has now just won four of its past 16 games across all competitions and has lost three consecutive games. It wasn't a pretty game last night. Atlanta United thought that it had a goal, was called back for offside, and then a few minutes later, Lionel Messi scores. We're going to get into that. Then scores again, then Miami scores again, then they add another one in the second half. Atlanta United had a penalty by Tiago Almada saved. It was just a a dispiriting performance, I think, for the team. You're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda, Brad Guzan, Derek Etienne, Miles Robinson, and caught up with Joseph Martinez, and then I'm going to answer your many, 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 many questions about the MLS team. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: Ocean Breeze, Tropical Beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
0: Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness
1: that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead.
0: Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So Atlanta United came out on paper last night with the 3 center back formation that it used in the four previous games to mix success. But Panetta threw a wrinkle into it and played Louisa Brahm, as kind of a hybrid center-back fullback and pushed Caleb Wiley high up the field. Atlanta United played a a mid-to-high line and really tried to pressure Miami, and it worked for the opening few minutes. And then, inexplicably, Sergio Busquets got the ball in the middle of the field. Three Atlanta United players stood there and watched him, and he picked a pass over the top to Lionel Messi, whose first shot hit the post, but he was the first to react scored again, then again, Messi is left unmarked in the middle of the field, dribbles 20 yards, passes it to Taylor on the left wing, just before he gets to the end line, he crosses it back, Joseph Martinez allowed the ball to run past him, right to Messi, right-footed shot, goal 2-0 within 22 minutes. Then Messi again got involved in the third goal, it was scored by Taylor, who slammed a volley into the opposite, or a half volley into the opposite corner, and then from an an Atlanta United corner kick in the second half, Brooks Lennon passed the ball to to Lino Messi, who had a two on two, the second being Bright Guzan, and another goal. Fifty third minute, four to nothing, and that's really all that needs to be said about that. Gerardo Martino is on the sideline for Miami. Joseph Martinez is in the starting lineup. It combined well. You're going to hear from him. But let's get into some of the sound bites here. So the, the format for the League's Cup game is a little bit different than it is for an MLS game. You get the two managers on the podium after the game, and then you have to go to a mix zone, which is where the players can simply walk past you if they choose not to talk. It was a, a, there was a lot of journalists in the room. There was a Zoom function to the coach's podium. And it was time for me to have to ask a question that I've had to ask of Frank DeBoer and I've had to ask of Heinza. And it was, I felt time to ask it of Pineda. And basically, is it, are you worried about your job? As I referenced earlier, three consecutive losses, only four wins in 16. One of the highest payrolls in the league, that's not on Pineda. That's on Carlos Bocanegra and, and former president Darren Eels. But the team is just not, it's not gelling, it's not improving. It's the same silly mistakes over and over and over again. And to put yourself into the head of of management, if the team were to make a move, if it doesn't get past Cruz Azul, it's got three weeks to try to get some stuff figured out. So I asked Pineda, if the team doesn't defeat Cruz Azul on Saturday, if he's worried he's gonna lose his job.
2: Normally, live dog, I'm not worried about anything. Worried. I'm not a guy that is scared at anything in life. I've been facing many adversities in my life since I was a footballer, and now it's not the, the case. Um, so I'm not worried about anything. Whatever happens, will happen. But what I am I have my focus on is in improving the team. We win Saturday, and you won't ask that anymore. So that's, that's the, the challenge for me, okay?
0: Now, his quotes from that answer have been disseminated by quite a few journalists online. Most of them weren't here, and that's okay. Well, it's not really okay, but it is today's journalism world. And then I wanted to get from Pineda an explanation so that I could understand on the Luisa Brahm playing left fullback, because that experiment ended at halftime and Ronald Hernandez was put in along with what he wanted from Santiago Sosa and Mateus Huzetu, which is a midfield pairing, which maybe statistically it works. Maybe they see something on film that I don't see, but it didn't work again against Miami, what he wanted from Sosa and Huzetu.
2: We were, we were trying to, to do some tactical adjustments, especially because Messi, we knew that he was coming inside a lot. So Abraham could take care of him in those pockets and be aggressive on him um, and then, of course, after you know the result I have to, to put someone like Ronald that is a little bit more aggressive in, in those areas. Uh, Santi, um, well, but without saying, I think uh, in the build-up was the same as we've been doing with three, mm-hmm. right? Abram, Purata, and Miles. Yeah. So that's the reason we transformed the backline of four into backline of three. Uh, Santi and Rossetto were told to, to, to dictate the, the moving the ball side to side, dictate the, the, the midfield, uh, and especially trying to activate our attacking players. I think in many moments we did, but uh, probably not at the rate that we wanted. Uh, and then defensively it was a tough task because we knew that yes, they had Busquets and the two players in between the lines, uh, Cremaci or uh, the other kid, but then also the movement from Messi created a lot of challenges. And then when we tried to be aggressive in the first play, he takes the back and then game over is 1-0. Like mm-hmm. um, so uh, we couldn't really execute that defensive side, which I think was the, the worst part of our game today was defensively. It was We couldn't really, really put pressure as we planned. Uh, but offensively, I think there are many positives. I think there were many good moments where we break the lines, we were able to turn, activate in the third. third but again, we, we were not sharp it, not once we were in the final third.
0: Derek KTM was one of the first through the we call it a rope line or a mix zone. Just asked about the team's emotions after the game.
2: Frustrated. Uh, disappointed. Uh, yeah, that's
0: it. Frustrated why?
2: We lost 4-0. It's, it's unacceptable. Uh, uh, we have to look at what we did wrong. we ready for Saturday. Good thing is there's a quick turnaround, so we play Saturday. We win, we're in the next round. So uh, file, away, file us away, think about the mistakes we made, take ownership of what happened on the field, and then we go out and look to win on Saturday.
0: Then ask Etienne to talk about the little mistakes that cost them.
2: Yeah, exactly what what Gonzalo said is I agree with this. Little mistakes can give a guy like Messi clean opportunities of goal. Uh, Unfortunate when he's supposed to go right back to him, but uh, that was a warning sign. And then, yeah, they were able to get some good chances for him and a quality player like that's going to finish.
0: Miles Robinson, not one who particularly enjoys talking to the media, also stopped, to his credit, and just talked about how the team can bounce back. Uh, we got to just kind of forget about it um, and kind of just focus on Cruz Azul. It's going to be at home, so that's definitely uh, good for us. So uh, I think if we can just forget about it completely and just focus on what we do well
2: um, and just get that energy from our fans, we'll be we'll be fine.
0: I referenced earlier that Not had thought it had a one to nothing lead. That was wiped away with an offside call that it didn't even need VAR. it was pretty clear to everybody in the press box it was outside but of course miami went and scored a few minutes later and I asked robinson how that affected the team mentally
2: yeah just one ball over the top kind of got us and uh obviously some type of luck coming off the post uh but yeah that definitely kind of uh lowered our uh, kind of uh momentum
0: but uh, obviously, yeah, it's a tough game, but obviously they got great players, so it's tough for us, but we just got to bounce back, like you're saying. Here's uh, team captain Brad Guzan just on his disappointment and how the team played. It wasn't just about him.
2: It was we didn't get close enough to, to anybody uh, throughout the entire night. Which gets messy, um, you name them.
0: We didn't get close enough to, to affect, affect passes, affect tackles, affect shots. Uh, You can't do that against a good team. And then Joseph Martinez was the last to go through the line. The first question I asked him, it's not on this tape, is how's his baby boy? It was a typical Joseph response, but his baby boy's doing good. Joseph seems very happy. You know, told him watching Miami play under Tata now reminded me a little bit of how the team played in 2017 and 18, if it felt like the old days to him as well.
2: Always Always and play like good like teams, they feel you better. We suffer a little bit in the beginning, and now we have a lot of chance and we start to, to see a different. But uh, it's very important, and especially with this game, okay, for me, it's uh, the one's the most important game, and uh, I I really appreciate it, and I really enjoy.
0: it. And here's Martinez talking about what Tata brings to the team.
2: The mentality. Okay. We have to be a mentality, a winning mentality like what Aby always doing. And uh, we know, I know that for a long time, so I know that this guy, that these guys come here for, for winning too. And then that's, that, that's why we have to improve.
0: He seems really happy, and that's a good thing. He, you, know, he, you heard him say the team was suffering for a while. When we come back, we going to go into your many, many questions. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze.
1: Tropical beach an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
0: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com, plus access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. I want to quickly give some credit to Inter-Miami. A lot of people uh, were wondering how they were going to handle this because it's it's not a big stadium, drive pink. It's a temporary stadium until they get their own built. Those of us who've been here before were curious about the logistics of how they're going to handle the media and the postgame because, again, I said it's different than a typical MLS match. And they, they knocked it out of the park. Molly and and her team, all those guys did a fantastic job, so credit to them. It was a a very seamless experience, and and that's always nice when you're traveling and covering a team on the road. We didn't get any questions for the mailbag. That number again is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Let's get into the questions. We're going to go into the ones in email first. Rob, friend of the podcast, it's well-documented what an incredible student of MLS Tata was prior to his interview for the Atlanta job. Among the many obvious reasons why we, he's using the royal we, got throttled by Miami, is it also worth considering that our former coach came in well aware of our team's problems and how to exploit them? I don't know how much Tata has paid attention to Atlanta United and in MLS, I know he says he's watching it, but I don't know, you know, to what extent. I think every opposing coach is trying to figure out the team's problems and how to exploit them. But when you have Messi and you have Busquets, it certainly becomes a heck of a lot easier, and especially easier when they kind of don't get marked on some key plays in the game. Ben and Sherry, right in. Of course, tonight's game was everything MLS wanted it to be, but from an Atlanta United perspective, it was horrible. Messi was a man playing among boys. It could have been much worse for Atlanta if he hadn't decided to simply stroll around the middle third for much of the second half. I don't know how much you have watched of Messi. I hope you've watched a lot. But he has done that for years with Barcelona, with PSG, with Argentine national team. But it's what makes him so brilliant. He just He finds pockets of space. He kind of feels the game and knows exactly where to go and then obviously exactly what to do. Continues, I'd like to believe that most other MLS teams would have suffered the same fate, but truthfully, this game was emblematic of so many others we've seen this season where Atlanta shows a complete lack of confidence, which to me is an issue of coaching. Over and over again, when this team concedes a goal, their confidence is visibly shaken. I'll agree with that. And when Atlanta, I don't know if it's on coaching, but I will agree with that. And when Atlanta takes a lead, they seem to expect the other team to equalize, which becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. I believe in believe in that to a degree, too. I like Pineda as a person, but he seems to lack like a coach's critical ability to instill a fighting spirit in his players. I welcome your comments before I proceed to my real question. Now, this this is where it gets a little tricky for me. These are professional athletes who are well-paid. They should not need someone to rah-rah them up. This isn't a college team. This isn't a high school team. This isn't a youth team. These guys should. Should be self motivated, and I think a lot of them are. I just don't think that it shows itself in execution for some reason, and I can't begin to explain to you why. Other than I've referenced, I think at Lenny United's scouting model needs some tweaking. If they can get these other two signings across the line, we'll start to see what's happening. But yeah, I agree for the most part with your points. Now, on to his real question after a coffee sip, and I need one. On a broader issue, I'm interested in your thoughts about the hope-slash-belief that Messi's signing is the rising tide that will lift all MLS boats. That hasn't happened in the past with signings like Rooney and Beckham. That is very wrong, my friend. But this time, MLS is really leaning into it as a game-changer, and at least a few teams seem to have responded with signings of their own. But MLS's salary cap rules are designed for a second- or third-tier league, more accommodating to owners who don't want to compete at such a high level, rather than those who want to ascend to the world stage. So my question for you, is the Messi signing an MLS novelty, or do you see evidence that MLS and its teams are ready to take steps to become more competitive on the world stage? That's Ben from Carrollton. Hello, Ben from Carrollton. I hope you're enjoying your time there. I wish everyone, except for two people in Carrollton, a great day. So Messi would not be here if not for David Beckham, for two reasons. David Beckham's signing with the LA Galaxy, resulted in the designated player rule, which then allowed players like Messi to come to Major League Soccer. Beckham's ownership or co-ownership of Inter-Miami also helped pave the way for Messi to be here. So in that regard, Beckham greatly impacted Major League Soccer. The league would not be what it is today if not for David Beckham. Now, that's not fully credit to him. That's credit to the ownership of the league and, and everyone who decided, yeah, this is worth it, and this is worth doing. To your second point, There was a meeting of the Board of Governors of uh, MLS last week to talk about some rules changes. You have to remember also that these MLS teams, most of them still don't make money. They are, it's just how much can you avoid losing at this point? But now with the Apple deal, with more and more eyeballs coming to the league, with more transfers going out, which brings money in, I think you know, within 10 years, you'll start to see teams turn consistent profits if they maintain fiscal responsibility. So I think the rules are going to be relaxed in a way that the teams who do want to spend money, who don't mind losing money, can do so. And those who maybe don't want to can be happy while still spending some money. All right. On to Michael. Michael. Doug, my bad. We obviously lost tonight because many of us fans forgot our good luck protocols. All right. My question is, Do we lose because of that messy fellow? A mediocre Atlanta response to an overwhelming force. Or because me and my family didn't take our lucky Atlanta United attire on this here trip to Tybee. Michael from Ormwood. Michael, the loss is all your fault. I, I just, if I were you, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I guess you need to wear your Atlanta United lucky gear every day for a month to atone for your sins. My goodness, man. How dare you try to enjoy your time with your family? I hope you know that I'm just kidding, Michael. Adam, friend of the podcast. So is Michael. I hate to do this, but I have no choice. I'm now officially questioning if Pineda is up to the task. I get it. Messi is a worldie and ta and coach. But for Atlanta to come in and play listless football after nine days rest and focus playing their A-team against a lot of guys who comprise the worst side in MLS thus far, is downright criminal. Criminal because this isn't the first time Atlanta's main issues concern work rate, hustle, etc. Now, I will take a little bit of counterpoint on that to you. Atlanta United did open playing well. They were pressing well. They, they were causing Miami problems. And then Miami scored that first goal and it all disappeared. Anyway, Adam continues, I've been waiting to see how the new personnel under the loggerway regime might shake things up or the chance for Pineda to feature a more consistent lineup. But too many times this season, the result has been the same thing. Not good enough across the whole team. It's possible Pineda may be a great tactician, but a lousy trainer. He may have the right vision, but can't communicate it properly to the team. I don't know. What I do know is that once again, the whole team look flat. And when a whole team looks flat, you look to the coach could also be the players simply aren't good enough at him. I think Panetta did get the formation wrong with Abram as a left fullback because he is not fast at all. But the – and the Sosa-Huzetu pairing, but he can only play who he has. And his central midfield right now is – so he could choose from Sosa, Huzetu, or Sadic. Miyamba is not yet fit enough. You don't want to throw a Johnny Fortune in against Messi and Busquets. Uh, he can only play with what he's got. And right now, this roster, to me, it just it has mega issues uh, that it's going to take another transfer window or two to get worked out. All right, let's go to questions on Twitter, at Doug Robertson AJC. Captain Redbeard, haven't heard from you in a while, but it's always good to hear from you. He says... Lennon is the answer to the question, how can he be fairly athletic, work incredibly hard, and be completely ineffective? Okay, I, I, you know, y'all know my feelings on Lennon. I, I think he's a quality player. But I understand your frustration with last night. Captain Redbeard continues. On the preview pod, a writer asked about signing Gressel, and I disagree with your response. He's better on-field option than Lennon at right back. He's better than Wolf or Etienne or Araujo at right wing and he's better than Huzetu or Sosa in the midfield. He's played all those positions for Atlanta United and we've missed his production since. I would point out though that's been 3 4 seasons ago. He's not Gressel's not the same player he was. He's still a very good player, but he's just not he's not the same. He's also a better contractual value than anyone since. Huzetu doesn't produce to a salary, Lennon doesn't, Sosa doesn't, or Huzu didn't. That is to say nothing of how desperately the club needs the goodwill from the fan base. I don't know if your timeline is anything like mine, but they have burned all the goodwill. I have no confidence in the soccer management, and and I don't have any remaining illusions about the club culture valuing this community. I continue to attend just because I like to watch soccer, and it's an entertaining evening out on the town. All right. I appreciate the thoughts, Captain Redbeard. Four card says, what does firing the manager do if the players stink and have no heart? Firing manager midseason hasn't worked the last three times Atlanta did that. It's lost. This season is lost. Uh, well, you know, it does give you a jump on looking for the next manager. And the season isn't lost yet. I mean, if they beat Cruz Azul, they're into the knockout rounds of the tournament. And who knows what can happen? They're still above the playoff line, playoff line in the East. They're not trending well, but they are also finally almost all healthy other than chop Chole and about to get some reinforcement. So, you know, don't give up hope yet. David says, I'm not really worried about this game. Am I crazy? Messi and Busquets played the whole game. They got up early and we got beat. Am I crazy to think we could be fine on Saturday? No, you're not crazy. The team could be fine. They're playing at home. Cruz Azul's not having a great season. Atlanta United could do to Cruz Azul what Miami did to Atlanta United. Hudson says For the podcast, Atlanta recently has been chaos with four wins in 16 games. The whole Ibarra situation, no one being brought in for support anywhere in the team, and so on. The window's still open, Hudson. What do you think we should do to fix these problems so they don't continue into next year or further? Tweak the scouting model to get a little more emphasis on speed, maybe on grit maybe on situational awareness and maybe less on technical ability. Hudson says, obviously people are going to say fire the whole front office or sack Pineda, but I want to know what you think. I don't think Pineda should be fired. I don't like having to ask that question that I asked, but it's part of my job. I would like to see him actually get a team that has some more quality in the midfield and go from there. And no, I'm not counting Franco Albarra as a solution in the midfield. I think Franco Albarra had a good season. I don't think he's a long-term solution at that position quality player just I don't think he's a good fit for what Pineda wants Mike says how does it, Lenny United get Apple to buy a player for us too this is a reference to Lionel Messi and the various rules that people allege have been broken but there is no proof Nick says no question for me and you don't even have to read this on the podcast if you don't think it's appropriate all right I just don't understand why tonight is the night that some fans decide to stop stop supporting the team, especially with Messi being responsible for all the goals. We all know the roster isn't complete, yet whenever they lose, it's all Pineda's fault. I just don't get it. I, I understand your point, Nick, and I appreciate you being a voice of somewhat reason in the wilderness. Doug, friend of the podcast, says, We have heard a lot about Miles Robinson being a free agent at the end of the season. Who else is out of contract when the season is over? Thinking ahead to how much flexibility the front office may have in the offseason and beyond. So I've written about this, Doug, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. Mateus Huzetu is out of contract. Uh, Quentin Westberg, or not, uh, Clement Giop is out of contract. And that's it among the higher-priced players. Adam says, I don't necessarily think it comes after this game, but if we have a poor showing against Cruz Azul dropping our fourth straight, well, these League's Cup games have the same outcome for Pineda that the MLS back games had for De Well, you know my thoughts on that based upon what I said earlier. I know it has been a lot of individual mistakes that bite us during Pineda's tenure. However, the coach can make decisions to help eliminate that, whether he adjusts personnel or just simplifies the instruction of in the game for the players. Well, there's not a well, there is some things he can do to eliminate individual mistakes, but he can't make the players do what they should do to eliminate those mistakes. I mean, that's on them. He can coach them. He, they can work on the tactics and everything. But when the game starts, the players have to be able to execute, and the players just don't execute. Do I like possession-based attacking soccer? I do. But as I've said a bajillion times, and as Matt Doyle tweeted last night, Atlanta has got to realize it needs to bunker and counter. Bunker and counter. That is what it's built for. It's not built for possession-based soccer. It's just not. Unless you want to keep counting on moments of brilliance for goals. Daniel, evening. Question for the pod. Daniel's a friend of the podcast. I fully expected to lose tonight, but not like this. At this point, I feel like any subsequent moves during the transfer window will simply be shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. Sorry, that was me ranting. The question is, how dramatic of a roster rebuild do you anticipate they will undergo this winter? I think it'll be fairly significant. There's some options on some players. Oh, Jackson Conway, he'll be, I think, he'll he'll be let go. He's another one to answer the previous question. Guzan is under contract for another year, so 2024. But Miles Robinson will be gone. We'll see what happens with Almada in the winter window. Hazzetto will be gone. We'll see what happens with Ozzie Alonso. The roster needs a remake. Uh, we'll just see how much flexibility Atlanta United has. Brian says, in my view, watching this game is making me really mad. We are being told that we have an up-and-coming quality league, but this performance is proof that is false. MLS needs to do away with salary cap and all the complex rules designed to make money for the poorer clubs and let them spend. They're not designed to make money for the poorer clubs. They're designed for them to not have to spend money. Atlanta United is one of the 20 biggest clubs in the world and spend like a minor league team. No. Atlanta United is not one of the 20 biggest clubs in the world. It's not even close to being one of the 20 biggest clubs in the world. There are, uh, let's see, eight clubs in England, at least six in Spain, at least seven in Italy, at least six in Germany, three in Portugal, Three in Amsterdam, several in South America that are all bigger clubs in Atlanta, several in Mexico that are all bigger clubs in Atlanta United. Does Atlanta United aspire to be one of the 20 biggest clubs in the world? Yes, it does. But right now, it is not that. And again, the rules aren't built so that smaller clubs can make money. They're built so that smaller clubs don't have to spend money. But the bigger clubs can. Now, should the rules be simplified? Yes, they should should there still be some fiscal responsibility for this league? Very much so. You can't just take, you know, take the parking brake off and expect everyone is going to be smart. This is what killed the NASL, overspending. You could easily kill Major League Soccer if these teams start spending way 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 too much money. The rules can be changed to make it easier so that teams can simply spend on the types of players they want rather than be forced into these little shelves of, of players. It reminds me of the scene from the movie, the jerk when he is the guess your weight guy and someone asks "Well, what do I win? And he starts going through the shelf list of prizes and goes, well, basically there's like six shelves. Basically, you can win anything in this two square inches and this two square inches right here. Sometimes that's what it feels like MLS rules are when a team is going to try to sign a player for a need, but it has to find one that fits within that little two-inch by two-inch square. Chris says, I hope he gets some answers on Huzetu's lack of effort tonight and why he pulled up and stopped, stopped tracking back on the second goal. I'll need to watch that. Pineda said that the defensive pressure wasn't what he had hoped. Uh, that's not just from the central midfield. That was obvious in the central midfield. It's just a poor performance by a whole lot of players on the team. All right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Atlanta United beaten four to nothing by Miami. It returns to action on Saturday against Cruz Azul, and its second game of the League's Cup. If it loses, it doesn't play again until it goes to Seattle in late August. As always, hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care.